Hi everyone, from Impact Alpha, this is Returns on Investment, a show about the impact investing marketplace. Live on tape from New York, I'm Brian Walsh, head of impact for the financial technology company LiquidNet. Today on the show, we're featuring an interview with Abigail Noble. She's the CEO of The Impact, a new organization helping families deploy more capital focused on increasing the positive social, environmental, and economic impact of their investments. She spoke with David Bank, Impact Alpha's editor-in-chief. Let's jump right into their conversation. Hello, this is David Bank. I'm here with Abigail Noble, the CEO of The Impact, a new network of high net worth families who are committing to impact investing. Welcome, Abigail. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you, David. Tell us a little bit about why why wealthy families or why high net worth individuals are going to be key to impact investing. Sure. Well, first off, um, I think about it as go to where you can have the most change and where we can influence markets and the right things to happen. Um, and what we're seeing is that there are a lot of visionary, thoughtful families who say, I want to align my values with the value that my investments create. I want to create a better world. I want to leave a world that's more environmentally sustainable, more socially inclusive to my children and my grandchildren. I'm doing a lot with my philanthropy already, but there's a lot of value, pun intended, a lot of value that they're leaving on the table when they're not looking at their investment portfolios and their business decisions. So a lot more of these visionary and thoughtful individuals are saying, how do I use all of the tools in my tool belt? Um, And how do I harness the power of capital markets and and solid good business to create greater social change. Now, you come at this, I know, from your experience with the World Economic Forum, um, and you spearheaded a lot of impact investing initiatives there. Tell us uh, what you did at the WEF and uh, how that got you to the, 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 the new position, and then I'd like to dig more into what the, what the organization is going to be up to. Sure. So I think a few of the things that the World Economic Forum became most known for in the impact investing space were the Margins to Mainstream Report, which we launched in September of 2013, and then the games at Davos. Uh, we designed interactive games that investors, hedge fund managers, private equity fund managers, chief investment officers and pension funds could play alongside social entrepreneurs and, and grassroots. Tell us yeah. about the game. I, how, do, how do you win? <laughs> Well, we designed four different games, which we played in Davos from 2012 to 2015. Each game was custom designed. It took us about two to three months to design it. Um, The first year, it was more of a lion's den, where groups of eight to 10 people, who were often social entrepreneurs and investors together, had to turn around the company, an underperforming company financially that had strong social and environmental impact. It was a waste management company that was working with informal trash uh, collectors and Peru and India and other places, um, and make it financially profitable. And then a a mining company that was profitable, but was very poor in social and environmental indicators. So it was a fun exercise for the people in the room to say, how do I turn around this company so it has a double bottom line? And in many ways, the social impact reinforces the financial return, and the financial return allows the company to be more socially and environmentally impactful um, and with that comes, you know, a, a better standing society, more employee and customer loyalty and things like that. Um, and over the years, we did one that was a simulated market trading game. And we 
created external shocks that had to do with terrorism, inequality, climate change, and societies and economies that actively targeted for more social and environmental impact and, and businesses that incorporated that in had better risk-adjusted returns over the long run. That's fascinating. Um, and so we, we approached it from several different angles, but the, the overarching goal was to uh, allow people in a very safe space, which is an off-the-record conversation, um, uh, suspend assumptions, test hypotheses, um, and figure out new ways of thinking and solving problems. And at a place like Davos, you could really you can get world leaders together to chew over innovative ideas and think through really pressing problems. And what happens inside those rooms ends up having an amplified effect outside of the room as they take it back to their businesses and their seats within government and their respective countries and regions of the world. Let me just ask you about about Davos, because that is, you know, obviously a high level gathering and has decision makers, influencers, policymakers. Would you say that the notion that private investment is going to flow towards the creation of social environmental value is a widely held belief system in Davos? Or is it a, you know, a growing but still, you know, minority held view? Or how would you characterize the, the Davos take on impact investing at this point? They say that Davos is a microcosm of the world, and it's reflective of the diversity of perspectives and, and backgrounds. So I think there were that, that diversity was reflected there in the belief on social and environmental impact. What I did see is from year to year, more people were embracing social impact and their role in um, creating a more inclusive and resilient world, and that the appetite for impact investing, learning about it, doing it, increased several fold. And it was, you know, to the point where, you know, in 2012, when we opened up the conversations, a lot of the mainstream investors didn't know what impact investing was. Um, they were interested in learning a little bit, but very skeptical. Um, and that's why we created the initiative Mainstreaming Impact Investing. And then over time, the awareness increased and people said, this is really interesting. I'm still trying to figure out how to do it. There seem to be a lot of challenges in the space and we're not sure what an actionable strategy could look like. And we started to create research and um, actionable guides on how they could start to incorporate it and implement it. And when I left last year, you know, some of the largest and traditionally the most hard-nosed investors were engaging in impact investing. BlackRock, the largest global asset manager, um, many of the private equity funds had developed impact investment offerings, um, and almost all of the major banks have some position in the impact investing space. You could imagine the segue then to your current work, because it's also true in many of these families that there is an impulse towards making an impact. There, Many of them are philanthropic in, in, in all sorts of different ways. And so now how would you characterize the take-up of the impact investing idea among among wealthy families? Yeah, it's. I find the reception of impact investing among leading families of the world incredible. So a lot of them are saying, you know, we think about ourselves as having an important role in our community, you know, in our town, in our, um, in our city, in our, in our, in a particular industry, whether it's consumer goods or real estate. 
And we want to deploy our skills and our expertise. We want to leverage all of our capital, not just our philanthropic capital, to make a more positive impact. So what we're seeing is that sometimes it's coming from the next gens, from the millennials, who have been to an impact investing conference or have been reading about it on blogs, and they're bringing it to their families. And, you know, when you're dealing with uh, families with substantial assets sent to millionaires, billionaires. They, they have professional staff who's managing their portfolios. And the professional staff will say, it sounds interesting, but we, we want to learn from other families how they've done it in a business pragmatic way or, you know, something that's well thought out. Um, they often will come to us and they'll say, can you help us think this through? Our family is interested in playing a role in these countries in Latin America or these countries in sub-Saharan Africa. They want to focus on access to education. They want to focus on green real estate. Who else has done impact investing in these regions or with this theory of change? What can we learn from them and how can we make better decisions? Data-driven decisions, also thinking about um, values alignment. Um, And what's great is a lot of families have a very long-term time horizon. They don't need to think about quarterly returns as much as other investors. They can say, we can take a 10-year, 20-year position. We're willing to have a little bit more risk up front. And over the long run, we'll see the return. So what is the actual role of the impact? I know it's, it's, it's I am capital P, so there's a pact. Tell us about the pact. First off, we're a nonprofit. We're a 501c3. And we did that because we want to catalyze the impact investing space globally. We want to work to empower individual investors, institutional investors to help serve their clients. Um, So we're not a competitor with any banks or with any consultant firms or advisors. We're there to, to help catalyze the space. We work directly with the families and we ask individuals and families to make the pact. And the pact is simple yet very concrete actions and and decisions they can make to align their values with the value their investments create. So anyone can make the pact. Um, It's up on our website and it takes about 60 seconds to fill out. It's it's just a a quick form. And we think that when people start to make a commitment, even if it's just a moral commitment, um, it influences the way that they start to make decisions in their business and investment decisions. And that's the first step to making the world a better place. It starts with the intention and then with being transparent and accountable to your peers and learning, learning how you can do it more effectively. Comparisons are sometimes made to the giving pledge, which is a pledge that wealthy families have made about uh, about uh, uh, committing a, a majority of their wealth to charity generally. Um, Is there a similar kind of goal um, uh, in terms of how much wealth might get moved towards impact um, out of the pact? You're right in that there is a a similarity or a parallel with the Giving Pledge. Um, Several of the impact members are also members of the Giving Pledge. And uh, two of our co-founding institutions, the Cage Foundation and the Omidia Network, co-chair the Impact Investing Learning Group of the Giving Pledge. And the pact is about investing the rest of your wealth, whereas the giving pledge is about philanthropy and donations. We hope that many families will continue along the continuum. If they've made no impact investments, to start to make a few. 
once they've made a few to do it in a more rigorous way. We're interested in the delta change from where they are now to where they can be next year to where they can be in the future. My hope is that uh, social and environmental impact becomes the norm, what's normal in uh, decisions related to making um, investments. And the way that it becomes a norm, I imagine, is that uh, peers of of these families, of these individuals are also doing it, and therefore it somewhat demystifies it or, or takes some of the risk out of it. You mentioned um, Jean and Steve Case and Pierre and Pam Omidyar and their foundations as as members. I know that many of the families are, you know, want to remain private, but I think there are some other public uh, founders that are that are involved. Do you want to just talk about some of the folks who are, are working with you? Sure. Uh, so the impact was started by Justin Rockefeller and his good friend, Josh Cohen. And it was, it was started uh, when they were discussing the Giving Pledge um, and that the Giving Pledge was solely focused on philanthropy. And there needed to be some pact and commitment around how you invest your money um, and the belief that how you invest your money has moral consequences. Liesl Pritzker Simmons, another one of our co-founders, uh, and she and her husband, Ian Simmons started Blue Haven Initiative, which is a single family office entirely committed to impact investing. Jim Sorensen, uh, who's based out in Utah and started the Sorensen Global Impact Investing Center uh, and himself has been a, an impact investor for many years. Um, we have a few uh, members who do remain anonymous and we started to expand into other regions of the world. So we have co-founder in the Middle East. We have some members in Latin America. I just came back from Brazil and increasingly um, parts of Europe and other parts of the world where people are saying we need a chapter of the impact. We need a community of like-minded individuals who are moving more capital into impact investing. You must get this question uh, often, which is, you know, if, if one of the problems facing the world is income inequality and that the richest people are the ones who are getting richer the fastest, um, your members, I would guess, are, you know, in that 1% or, you know, how do you sort of square the circle between the, the wealth of the, of the membership and, I guess, I, I think the authentic uh, desire they have to uh, ameliorate some of, the, some of the problems of that kind of in- inequality? Yeah, and from everything I've seen, the people who are engaging in the impact investing space are doing it from a place of authenticity. And it's coming from a place of business is the most powerful tool we have to deliver a meaningful solution at scale. Um, And I personally, I I only have one com in my bank account. I'm not, I didn't, uh, I didn't grow up in a, in a, in a family of, of great means, but I think about the time that I have, the decisions I've been able to make with my career and with um, my focus and my attention. And I feel wealthy from the perspective of leading life that I want to lead. Um, and for so many people, um, there's diminishing marginal returns to wealth. Um, getting an extra dollar, an extra million dollars, an extra billion dollars doesn't provide happiness. But figuring out how to use their wealth as a tool to extend access to opportunity for others, to create a better world for others, provides meaning. I'm very much a pragmatist. I think since Adam Smith and since Milton Friedman and since um, so many economists have set forth theories and have paid the way, some of them, you know, we've, we've seen some models crack and some models 
sustain, but capitalism is something that endures. So we need to figure out how to work within capitalism to create the best possible world for everyone. You know, there was um, a, there was a time when when capitalists um, unabashedly uh, actually understood the you know the need for broadly shared prosperity, both for political reasons, you know, some kind of stability, but also just for economic growth. You know, that you need to have folks buying things and 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 having good jobs and 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 building communities, building general values. And it seems like you know that that got split. It sounds like perhaps you're trying to bring it back together. I do think it's a lot about values alignment. Um, and I do think that in this day and age, we're seeing a lot more people making decisions that are coming from a place of mindfulness or coming from a place of, um, I'd rather pay a little bit more for a product that's produced with fair labor. And I know the ingredients and in the parts of the supply chain were produced fairly. I, I do think that it's, it's something that hopefully if if we're able to get this right, we can make the world a much better place. Well, it seems like you have your uh, finger on the pulse of a very promising source of investment funds for just those kinds of, of projects. Again, just tell us what you'd hope anybody listening who was so inclined, just tell us what you'd hope they would do. So I hope that everyone who is so inclined, who wants to be more intentional with their business and their investment decisions, I hope they are able to make the pact. Um, and the pact is very simple. It is I commit to, number one, explore the impact of all of my investments. And number two, invest to create measurable social benefit. Very simple, um, but it sets the right intention. You can do that on our website, which is www.theimpact.org. At the top, you'll see a button that says the pact. You click on that, and then you fill in your information. So we hope you'll join us in this movement to invest with impact, to create a world where social and environmental impact becomes the norm rather than the exception in business and investment decisions, and that we together can create the world that we all want to live in. Thank you very much, Abigail. Um, good luck to all of you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Great. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. that's going to do it for this episode of Returns on Investment. Thanks to David and Abigail for that conversation about The Impact. To learn more, head over to their website, theimpact.org. And check out our coverage at impactalpha.org. And be sure to sign up for our newsletter to keep in touch. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Impact Alpha. If you like the show, subscribe to us on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts these days. And be sure to tell others about us. Also, we love hearing from you. You can email us with any comments or suggestions at info at impactalpha.com. Special thanks, as always, to our technical producer, Isaac Silk. Thanks, Isaac. From New York, I'm Brian Walsh. On behalf of David Bank, thanks for listening to Returns on Investment. We look forward to talking again soon. Bye for now.